Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. It's your host, Chelsea Wright. Happy 2023. And let's have a moment of silence for Mercury Retrograde, for my laptop, and let's pray. Join hands now and let's pray for my laptop that this starts actually working. If you've been following my Instagram stories, you've seen that I have had a laptop nightmare. I'm currently using a used laptop that I bought yesterday after my current laptop that's brand new has been under repair three different times in a month. And then I borrowed a friend's whose did not work. And so I literally went to the mall and bought a used laptop. Also, I started recording this episode and one minute in, it said my server was not working. So we're putting out good vibes that this works because I've been dying to record this episode. It's the part two of my honest year in business review. So if you did not listen to part one, I would highly suggest going back to my last episode where you can hear me break down my numbers and everything I learned in 2022. Now, the part two was supposed to come out right after that, but with all my laptop issues, it didn't happen. So here we are, first episode of 2023, getting right into it with part two, a year in review, business edition. And this one's exciting because we have a lot of listener questions and voice notes. So if you want to leave a voice note, go to the link in my show notes and all you have to do is record it from your laptop or your phone. So you can just drop a voice note, whether it's about podcasting, travel, entrepreneurship, money, whatever you want me to answer with my non-expert opinion or expert one, I'd be happy to. Okay, so usually I make announcements in the beginning, but to be honest, I have been so eager to record this episode that I just want to get right into the content. So let's kick off with part two, what I learned in 2022 about business. Done-for-you services are likely what many of us are seeking out. Done-for-you in the online coaching business looks like the acronym DFY. So if you're ever scouring someone's website and you see DFY, that usually means done-for-you. There's also done-with-you, which is co-creating, and then there's not done-for-you or done-with-you, where it's really just like coaching and there's no deliverables. Here's an example of a done-for-you service. You all know I constantly talk about podcasting and the power of it and how a lot of my high-ticket clients come from when I'm a guest on other people's podcasts. I have seen this time and time again, and I have that data because when people apply to work with me, I ask them how they heard about me, and 95% of the time, it's they heard me on someone else's podcast. So since I have that data, I need to optimize on that and use that strategy. However, pitching myself to be on other people's podcasts along with running my own podcast and pitching guests for mine and planning and then having my whole coaching business is a lot of work. Let's also keep in mind that I do more than coaching. I'm strategizing. I have a life to live. I'm traveling. I'm trying to think of future things to launch. I'm tweaking my current programs, taking time out of my day to research people, create a custom pitch, find their emails, etc. is just a lot of energy. So I found an agency, they're called Your Guest Expert, that helps you get onto other people's podcasts. I talked to them, and I actually talked about this in the episode I did with Serene about like, do you really need a business coach about how to ask people what their scope is and like what they're good at? That's an example of someone where I really grilled them to see what standards and procedures they have in place for pitching guests. Because I didn't want to invest a lot of money and just be on, you know, a podcast that only had two episodes out or that had like five downloads. For me to make a significant investment, I knew it needed to turn into something where I would at least have leads coming to my website or signing up for my email newsletter. So I hired this service and the done for you aspect is that they put together a pitch list, they emailed the guests, they handled the scheduling, 
they handled the intake forms. So all the headshots, links, et cetera, they handled all of that. So all I had to do was show up for the reporting. This investment cost me about, I want to say $2,500. And I have made, let's see, what would be the math there? 10 times that back. So I signed two high ticket clients at $10,000 from investing in that specific service. And by the way, only half the episodes that I were on have come out. There's still like four more podcasts I was on that have not come out yet that I imagine will drive people to either work with me or to my email list, which is where I want people to be. So you can see how a done for you service would make a lot more sense for someone like me who is spread too thin and doesn't want to carve out, you know, five hours a week to do this. Having someone handle that was worth the investment for me. And by the way, I invested in that 95% knowing that that investment would pay back. I wasn't like, oh, hopefully it works out. Like, I don't know, $2,000 is a lot of money, but like, I don't care if I lose 2000. I was very much like, I need to see the list that you're pitching to. We need to come up with some type of like minimal ratings and reviews that they have so that I know it's worth my time. I want to vet the pitches. Like I was very involved, but not doing all the back end stuff, which is where all my time gets wasted a lot of times because I get really, really like in the weeds of what I want it to look like and this and that and the other thing. So having PR professionals and people that do this every single day as a profession was so worth it to me. Another done for you service that I invested in two years ago was my VA Jofi setting up my Dubsado. If any of you have looked into Dubsado, it's a beast. People specialize in it to set it up. I know for a fact I would have never been able to set it up even if I watched every YouTube video on planet Earth. So investing in someone to set it up one time for a few thousand dollars is worth it because in the long run, I'm saving so much time and money and energy to be able to work on the things that I'm good at, like podcasting or storytelling or serving my clients and making sure they have a good experience. A lot of times when you look at done for you services, they look like a lot of money up front because the price tags usually are in the thousands of dollars, but you need to understand the value of your time and your energy and be honest with yourself. Could you actually figure it out to the level that you want to figure it out? And would you be able to get it to work for you in the way it's supposed to work? Again, maybe I could have set up Dubsado like one form, but I would have never been able to set up all the workflows and the contracts and proposals. There's no way on planet earth. So for me, it was like, yeah, I'm going to have to pay more money up front to get it set up, but that has saved me so many headaches and it's actually made the client experience very smooth. So I feel comfortable charging the prices I charge because I know when people get onboarded, it's a very smooth system. You fill out an application, you get a link to book a call with me, you get your contract, you get your invoice, you get your payments all through one software. So to me, that just feels like an elevated experience. I started to feel comfortable charging more because I was like, yeah, I, I put the systems in place in order to have that white glove experience that I think would be worth the price tag that I'm charging. So a lot of you were asking, <laughs> I literally sound like those skincare influencers. A lot of people have been asking, um, but really though, a lot of people do ask, like, how do you know what to invest in, right? Do you invest in a podcast coach? Do you invest in social media strategy? Do you invest in email marketing? Like, what do you invest in? I don't know if that's the question versus what type of service do you invest in? For me, I've learned over the past two years, and especially in 2022, that done for you services where that team is taking care of something that is 10 times worth it versus me taking like a course in Dubsado to learn how to set up Dubsado. Or again, spending 20 hours a month trying to pitch when there's a person that already does it and specializes in it. 
Okay. So when you're figuring out your 2023 goals and like, what do you invest in? What do you put your time in and energy in? I would highly recommend looking at done for you services that will take care of everything for you. You pay that fee up front and usually it will be beyond worth the investment. My next point, and this is huge because I have an update on this, is that business operations is extremely different from business coaching. And I think business operations is what a lot of us are looking for when we invest in a business coach. So here's what I mean. If you guys have ever worked in a corporate office, you know how there's a CEO and a COO. The CEO is the overarching director, right? Like they're not really in the day-to-day in the weeds of making decisions. They're the ones looking at future projections like one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, talking to investors, thinking of the bigger vision of the company, and really just making sure everything is running the way it's supposed to. A COO is chief operating officer, and they're making sure that the teams and the organizations are running as efficiently as possible. And then usually within those teams, there's like director levels and managers, et cetera. What you need to know about that, it sounds really boring, is that the COO is someone who is really looking at things from an aerial view and then giving like tactical advice on how to carry out the vision. So let's say a COO was like, we need to expand our sales team. The system to get there is we need to hire a director of sales and then we need to start conducting interviews over the next quarter so that we're fully staffed and ramped up by summer so that everyone is hitting their quota by Q3 of 2023, right? That is how it usually works in corporate America. Now, when you start your business online, you, the business owner, all of a sudden become the chief operating officer, the social media manager, the salesperson, the email marketer, the podcast host, like you literally take on 20 different jobs. So we get so lost in the sauce of what we're doing that it's hard to look at anything from an operational level because you're like, oh my God, I'm just trying to get this podcast episode up. I'm just trying to send out my weekly newsletter that I committed to. I'm just trying to serve these two clients that I brought on board because they actually paid me a lot of money and I want to make sure they get the best experience. And you might not have time to look at things from an operational level because you're really in survival state. That's at least where I was when I started my business was like, I'm just trying to stay afloat. So when I hired a business coach, I was under the impression they were looking at things from an operational level, right? Hey, let's audit your time. How much is your time worth per hour? How much time are you doing client-facing work versus like marketing and internal work? How many days do you take off? How much time do you want to work a week? Like that's what I thought I was getting when I hired business coaches. What I found, and this is just my personal experience, okay? I've only worked with like two business coaches, but both times... I have found business coaches to be more of like marketing coaches or systems coaches, which is fine, by the way, like those are very much important parts of business, but the operational stuff I was looking for was completely missing. For example, I wanted someone to help me back out my sales goals into quarterly plans. And then those quarterly plans make like tactical strategies and systems based on my offer suite, help me with pricing help me understand how many sales do I need to get to this goal? And then if I don't hit that goal, where would my money need to go be invested to like hit the goal, right? Like very operational aerial view stuff. My business coaches were always like, let's talk about the launch and like how many times you should post on Instagram and how to warm up your audience and how to build a lead magnet and how to drive people to that lead magnet, which again is important. I'm not discounting this at all. 
My point here is that operations is different from marketing strategy. So my friend Serene, which you've heard on this podcast, has business experience. And she's like, hey, let's look at your business operations on the back end. And I'm like, sure, okay, whatever. You know, thinking we're going to talk about marketing and strategy and lead magnets. And then she was like, do you know how much an hour of your time is worth? And do you know how many hours you actually work a week? And do you know how many vacation days you want to take? And I'm like, uh, kind of. Like I have ballpark estimates, but not really. Like I know I take Fridays off usually and just do a little bit of admin and then try to enjoy it. I know I try to take off general holidays and like when I want to, I'll throw in a three-day weekend here and there, but I've never backed it out to look at it from a very big picture perspective. Serene came in and completely revamped how I looked at my business. And I was like, holy shit, Serene, this is what people are looking for. I would argue 95% of us that invest in business coaching are actually looking for a business operations manager or like a COO of our business. So when Serene and I started working together, she literally made me pull up like my Stripe account, my calendar, my emails, my Dubsado projects. Like I had all my softwares open and this wasn't like a high level overview. We're like, oh yeah, cool. That looks great. Let's move along. She's like, no, no, no. Click into that client. How much is she paying per month? Why is she paying that per month when you could have her on this payment plan? Or why don't we move your pricing around so that you're getting this deposit up front and then you have people on payment plans this month, like just very strategic operations. And I was like, OMG, this is what I've been missing. So the reason this is so important to me is because the way Serena and I have been working together is I'm on track right now to hit like 85% of my 2022 sales in just quarter one of 2023. I sold three high ticket packages in 10 days. I'm sending out a proposal for the highest amount I've ever presented. And I'm 95% sure they're going to move forward. And the thing is, I have a clear picture of where I'm going and what I'm working on next. So my issue was always like, I would focus, for example, on mic drop and just heavily focus on mic drop, promote mic drop, get everyone enrolled in mic drop. And then the enrollment would be over. And I'm like, oh shit, I don't really know what I'm promoting next. Like, is it one-on-one? Do I want to launch a new course? Do I want to relaunch interview like Oprah masterclass? It was just very TBD. And starting from square one after every launch is not smart business. Like you're just standing at a standstill and using all this mental energy to start over. So Serene made me zoom out and be like, well, let's look at your client journeys, right? Like if they're in mic drop, maybe the next step for them would be amplify the mastermind, which PS I'm enrolling in right now. And then after that, what would make sense for them? Maybe they're like a high ticket one-on-one client, or maybe they need like a strategic VIP day. I'm like, yes, this is what I've been needing. So she's helped me map everything out where now I have a clear focus on what I'm promoting each month externally and then what I'm working on behind the scenes to prepare for what's coming after the launch that I am currently going through. So right now it's like I actually know what I'm going to be promoting in April where 2021 and 2022, (laughs) 2021 was a joke. 2021, I would end an enrollment and be like, ooh, what do I want to like promote? Ooh, this sounds fun. Let me launch a course about this random thing. And it was literally just like what I wanted to launch and had no strategy, no market research, no like customer analysis. I mean, it was like laughable that that's how I ran my business. 2022, I started realizing how much planning helps. And now going into 2023, I'm like, wow, having a clear idea, even if it's only a quarter ahead, right? April is what, a few months away. But now that I know what I'm working on all of January and February and March, 
I can take a deep breath knowing that I'm not going to feel scatterbrained, especially while I travel. Because I do live a chaotic and unconventional lifestyle where I might like pick up and go to a different country in a different time zone. And that's really what affected my enrollments in the last year was like, I didn't really account for all that travel and the time zone changes. And now that I've planned ahead, I can actually look at my calendar and be like, wait, no, that's the week I moved to Colombia. That doesn't make sense to launch mic drop then. Let me wait until I'm settled in. And that level of planning wouldn't have been possible without an operational person looking at my stuff. Also, if you're like me and you're a chaotic creative, you're visionary, you like to live by the seat of your pants, you don't really even understand how many minimum sales you need to hit certain goals. That's where you do need someone that's a bit more logical and analytical and like grounded in math can help you out. Serene is incredible. So the next time before you hire a business coach, I would ask them questions like, what are your specialties, right? If they're like, oh, I can help you with everything. I can help you launch a podcast, set up an email sequence, um, set up your pricing structure, help you with a lead magnet, launch a YouTube channel, and I don't know, get you an influencer deal. It's like, that to me sounds too good to be true. And it usually is. This is why a lot of people, when I asked that poll back in like fall of 2022, how many of you have invested in business coaching and been disappointed? There were so many sad answers because a lot of business coaches overpromise and underdeliver. So if you're a business coach listening, it's okay to be like, here's what's in scope and here's what's out of scope. It will actually help people trust you more. And on the flip side of that, if you're a client or future client, ask them not only for what they do, but ask for references and testimonials. So if they say they can help you launch a podcast or launch a YouTube channel, be like, can you point me to some people's podcasts you've helped launch? Can you show me the, the case studies around the YouTubes you've helped launch? Whatever it is, get that evidence. And then if you need that operational help, be clear about that. Be like, I'm looking for someone to help me back out my annual sales goals into quarterly plans. Help me understand how many minimum sales I need. Help me understand what my client journey is and help me understand how to attract those people. If the coach is hesitant or doesn't know how to answer or is just like, yeah, I'll get back to you on that. Use your intuition right? Like that person might not make sense for what you're looking for. And that's okay. Maybe you do use them later down the line when you need marketing help or launch help. But right now you might need an operational person. Okay. My next point is that when you start growing as a business owner, the way people perceive you will not be the same as when you started. I worked in the influencer and content marketing industry for six years. So I would see this trajectory of influencers start out as like small bloggers and then start slowly getting bigger deals and blow up. And then their audience changed and some people would be thrilled for them. And they're like, Oh my God, I'm so excited for you. I've been a day one. Like we've been waiting for this moment and like helping them rise and lift up. And there were other people that were like, wow, you changed. You're unrelatable now. Wow. I see you let the fame get to your head. So I saw this very specific life cycle happen over and over again. And then I saw that same life cycle happen to business coaches. People would blow up and become these almost like celebrity influencer coaches. And the same thing, people used to be like, wow, I remember when your programs were affordable. I remember when you just started out, like, you know, did you forget about us? And then other people that were like, hell yeah, we're rooting for you success. Like you fucking made it. You deserve this. And I just learned that there's always going to be people like that. I personally believe that you cannot avoid that. If you do avoid that by some miraculous reason, you're probably being a people pleaser and trying to cater to everyone. 
And I want to remind you when you cater to everyone, that's not a good look because it shows that you have no values and no opinions and you stand for nothing. So for me, I'd rather be a little bit polarizing and attract the people that I want to like a magnet, right? Opposites attract when, when the magnet is really strong. It's like, oh yeah, I understand what that girl stands for. I know her personality and voice. I'm attracted to that. I'd rather repel the people that aren't attracted to that because why would I want someone that, that doesn't know me or my personality or my energy in my programs or in my world? So this is like also a lesson on people pleasing is really think about this. If you're trying to cater to everyone and now you attract everyone in your group programs, that actually is not going to be energetically balancing because you're going to have all these different people at like different stages of business or different stages of life, whatever you're helping them with. You're going to have different personality types. You're going to have people that believe in different things, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You just have to think of the energy of that group and how are you going to manage that? For me, I know that when I do a group program, people are likely on the same wavelength as me or at least understand my humor or my personality or my character or how I operate. If someone doesn't understand that, that's fine. They probably aren't signing up for my programs. They probably don't even listen to this podcast. So this idea that we can control people's perception is a complete illusion. And remember when I said in my last episode that there's some really sad things that happened to me in 2022? Well, this was one of them. My perception changed to some people. And as I started growing and, and really like stepping into my power and owning what I do, and also keep in mind I'm traveling, which people always just assume like travel is luxurious, which is hilarious to me because I used to live in hostels when I started my business. But people start to create this image of you in, in their head and you cannot control that. You can try, right? We all try this. Like we try to portray a certain image on Instagram or in our emails or our writing, like everyone does this. But if you're trying to cater to every single person that comes across your path, you'll fail. And um, what happened was someone that I was really close to started perceiving me in a different way and wanted to cut ties with me. We've collaborated together. We had a great online relationship. We had met in person and she decided that I wasn't for her anymore. And instead of trying to overcompensate and appease and be like, oh my God, I cannot believe this person wants to exit my life. I had to honor that boundary and be like, this person wants to exit your life. So let them exit, right? They're making that choice. I don't need to beg them to stay around. If they energetically feel like it's best to close this chapter, then let's honor that. Let's respect that. I do think people are meant to be in your life for a certain reason in a certain period of time. And while the, the dream is that we stay friends with everyone for the rest of our lives and everyone lives happily ever after, sometimes that's not the reality. And especially online where everyone's perceptions is different of you. Okay, so I just want to remind you, when you grow, you inevitably will shake up your audience a little bit because you're now attracting people at a different level and the people that started listening to you might not relate to you anymore or they might be on the same path and be like, hell yeah. Or they might just be like, you know what? She was for me back then and now she's not and that's okay. I just want to like reiterate this underlined highlight. People will perceive you a different way than you perceive yourself and you cannot control that. You will lose connections. You will lose followers. You might lose friends and it's up to you to decide how to navigate that. Now, I say this with a lot of conviction and as if I like handled that very diplomatically. That was a very sad time for me. I cried my head off. 
I cried to multiple people in my family. I cried to a therapist. I cried to my launch strategist. I cried to my VA about it. I went to sleep like multiple nights in a row being like, what is wrong with me? What can I do to fix this? Like, did I fuck this up? Is there something wrong with like how I present myself? I should try to work this out. I mean, I went through a very, very deep mental spiral over this. So while I have a reflection period now that I can share with you, that wasn't the case in the moment. In the moment, I was extremely sad and anxious and um, very hard on myself for why this happened. And I just had to learn like this is part of business and growing is you will lose people along the way. And, and that's something I just had to accept. All right, my next point, I love this one. And I think I'm going to do a solo episode just about this. But it's okay to be okay with being good enough versus being excellent. And you have to know which bucket you're in to decide when you want to quote unquote up level. So I would say late 2021 and going into 2022, I was really honing in on my podcast coaching and I was still doing a little bit of mindset coaching. And I knew that that overlap was causing a bit of a disconnect, right? Because people online were like, wait, do you do mindset coaching or podcast coaching? And my mindset clients were like, wait, now you're doing podcast coaching. And my podcast clients were like, wait, weren't you just a mindset coach? So I knew there was kind of this readjustment period that I would have to take into account that I knew, yeah, this, this period is going to be a little sticky. Like there are going to be people that are confused. I'm probably not going to get insane course enrollments. I'm probably not going to sell out my highest ticket packages because I need to clarify my messaging. I need to think about who I'm serving. I need to like reposition myself. Repositioning yourself does not happen overnight. In fact, it's taken me like a year to get there. So I knew, you know what, Chelsea, this next six months, you're going to be okay with just being good enough and just focus on your current clients and slowly we'll get to the repositioning and the rebranding stuff. An example is my website. I had a website from Mindset Coaching back in 2020. And then when I really started to pivot to just podcast coaching, I was like, this old version of me doesn't feel relevant. But at the time, I did not have the funds or really the drive to want to invest in a rebrand yet. So what I did was I basically took the launch graphics that I had a social media strategist create for me. I took the fonts and colors and like icons from that. And I created my website overnight. I just changed my old website and I changed the fonts, the colors, etc. Obviously, I am not a graphic designer if you've seen my website. <laughs> okay, so I knew this is not the best website on the internet. This is not even that great of user navigation. There are a lot of things missing. There's not a strong lead magnet. I don't have a page for my podcast, which is hilarious because my podcast has been like my main thing. I'm missing a link to book a discovery call with me, right? Like there were so many things missing, but I was like, I just need something to be up there and be good enough. I just need to collect emails, have a link to my podcast, have a one-on-one -on -one coaching page and have mic drop enrollment because those two things at the time were my main offers. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, you have to be okay with this being good enough. So for basically a year, that's what it was. It was good enough. It's like, you know what? At least you have this up and running. You do have a website. You are driving people to somewhere. People are enrolling in your email list. People are signing up for mic drop. So that's good enough. Now, when I knew it was time to up level and be like, okay, now I want to invest funds into this is when I wanted to raise my prices for my one-on-one -on -one podcast coaching, I didn't feel like my website or my brand 
match the level of service I provide to my clients. I am extremely detail oriented with my clients. All my one-on-one clients know they have this notion document. It's very thorough. It has resources, checklists. It has an episode planner, an outline, a content calendar. Like it's a very thorough document. However, if you look at my website, it looks like a college intern made it as a project for their final. And I was like, this just doesn't match. And it feels weird for me to charge more pricing because it just feels like a huge energy block. I actually talked to my therapist about it. Shout out to my therapist on BetterHelp. I'll drop the link for BetterHelp in the show notes if you want to get 10% off your first month. But I talked to her and she goes, I really think that is your block because she goes, it's like having a storefront. If you hate the sign outside and the storefront is like this janky rundown thing that looks like you're like, oh my God, is that even a store? But then you go inside and it's this beautiful store with white walls and sunlight and plants. You'd be like, how are those two things connected? Like, why would someone ever walk in your store when the outside looks like shit? And so finally, she didn't say that, obviously. (laughs) That, That was basically the crux of it, though. And I was like, yeah, that's what it is. I feel weird pitching myself for big podcasts because I know if people go to my website, they're gonna be like, what the hell is this website? I felt weird pitching people $10,000 packages because I was like, if they go to my website, it doesn't look like you're gonna get a $10,000 experience because of the way like everything looks on my site. It just looks bad. And so finally, I was like, you know what? That's the block. And I realized it had been a block for probably three to six months where I was just so avoidant and resistant to driving people to my website. So that's when I knew, okay, now we're going from good enough to excellent and now it's time to up level immediately after that therapy session i was like i need a rebrand you guys probably saw this on my instagram stories if you followed me in december i was like hey i'm looking for a rebrand i want this to be quick the reason i wanted it to be quick was because i was a guest in all these podcasts airing between december and january and you all know i've talked about this a million times being on podcast drives people to my website to work with me so i was like i don't want all these people to come to my website and be like what the hell is this and then not work with me. I was like really in a rush. So I found a designer. She's amazing. My website is going to go live soon. There's been a holdup because of all my laptop issues. But oh my God, when you see my new website, night and day, it literally looks like someone went from being 13 to 35 years old. Like it's juvenile to elevated, sophisticated and worth the prices that I'm charging now. I know it's funny. This is so crazy to me. And what I think about energy is As soon as I made that decision to be done with being good enough and being like, okay, it's time to be excellent with your online presence, immediately I felt this shift in confidence and had no problem pitching my prices. And I signed three $10,000 deals over the course of 10 days when in Q3, I remember in like September and October, I remember talking to my launch strategist and my VA being like, I don't think I could sell a $10,000 package for like six to 12 months. Like I'm just not there yet. Immediately that shift in knowing that my online presence was changing and knowing that every client I've worked with has had a a pretty incredible experience. Like I've never gotten a negative review or a one-star review or had someone been like, what the fuck was that? Like I've never had anyone try to cancel and be like, your, your product sucks. Like I get great reviews because I really care about people's success. And so I finally was like, you know what? The outside of the store is about to match the inside. So let me just go ahead and start pitching that way. I was shooting my shot. I was presenting different types of packages. I started rearranging how I presented things. And it was just like the floodgates finally opened. It was that moment where people talk about where you're like, when are things going to click for me? 
that was it. My biggest block was that website because finally I was like, now I'm, I'm okay with driving people to my storefront. I want them to see the sign, which is funny again, cause it's not even live. So it just shows that the energy and the way I was presenting myself was worth the prices because I knew in just a few weeks time, things were going to look as excellent on the outside as they were on the inside. Okay. So to like sum this point up, there are going to be times in your entrepreneurial career where you're like, this is just good enough, right? I have the free package and that's good enough. My website has the basics. So that's good enough. I have an onboarding process. That's not the best, but it's good enough. I operated like that for a very long time. And then when I was ready to raise my prices, that's when I decided it's time to invest in up level to excellence. So this is a very personal thing. It's very subjective. You'll know when you know. And I think something that might help here too is understanding when you move to a level of excellence, there's more responsibility too, right? So yeah, I sold those packages that for a higher price, but you know what? The responsibility is way higher. There's way more support with these calls. There's way more strategy involved. There's much more of my time. And with that level of excellence and responsibility comes great leadership too, right? Like this is not a time where being good enough works anymore because people are paying me a price for excellence. So just, just keep that in mind is like, sometimes it's okay to be good enough and be like, I'm working out this video game level. I'm just trying to master this level. I'm okay. And you know what? Now I'm ready to go to the big leagues and let me see what I've got. And I'm ready to invest the time and energy and money to be at that level. And if not, that's okay. You don't need to be excellent at everything in year one, even year two, I'm on year three and I'm like just making these decisions. Okay. So take a deep breath and know it's okay to be good enough. Okay, it's time for a listener question. Let's tune in to hear from Maddie, who asked a question about the DMs. Hey Chelsea, it's Maddie. Um, I super appreciate and love your recent episode about an honest review of the last year of your business. And my question is, as a fellow entrepreneur, um, I definitely am light years behind where you are at, but as somebody who is doing everything on their own, I'm just so curious what your advice would be on basically how to manage answering DMs and staying on top of that without going into like fight or flight. Because that is kind of what my response tactic is, which I know is a me problem. But I really struggle with staying on top of DMs because it feels like as soon as I get caught up, there's like 75 more. And then I don't want to do a knee-jerk response, I like to message people back with intention. So I'm just so curious like what your tactics or tools are, and I don't want to hire an intern to do this. This is something that I want to continue to manage. So super curious. Thanks. Bye. Okay. So first and foremost, full transparency, my DMs are not popping. Most of the DMs I get are just reacting to my stories of like, oh, that's hilarious, or like fire emoji or something. Like I don't get that many DMs about working with me or how my packages work or pricing or anything. I'm not really sure why that is. I think probably because on my Instagram stories, I don't really post a lot about my offers. And I think you all know this is that like, I don't try to invest a lot of my time in Instagram. I try to invest my time in podcasting. So that's first and foremost is my DMs are not popping. However, if they were popping, I would treat it like this. I would treat your DMs like a second email inbox. So think of your email when you start getting emails, we all get that urge to start responding, but we know not everything is urgent. Now, some people will label things as urgent, right? But I think when you skim your emails, you're like, okay, this is clearly not urgent. Like you can start to see what's worth answering today or tomorrow. 
versus what, what can wait till like next week. So I would look at your DMs the same way. Skimming them really quickly. I know you can't always do this because of the way that like the view is set up. It might just be like, hey, Maddie, and then you don't know what the rest is. So here's what I would do if you can't see the full message. Book a focus mate and dedicate that focus mate just to answering DMs and that's it. That's what I've done for my email because I would say the way I handle my email right now is probably the same way you feel about your DMs. I would get in this fight or flight mode where I was like, holy shit, all these emails are coming in. They're all different things. Like some are to work with me, some are podcast requests, some are for my VA, like I'm overwhelmed. And then I would get in that fight or flight mode that you talked about. And I realized I need to set up a system here because whatever I'm working, whatever I'm doing of just like looking at my email all hours of the day is not working. So what I started to do was set up a 25 minute focus mate where I just dedicate that 25 minutes to answering emails. So I think you could do the same thing for DMs. Like the next 25 minutes is just for DMs. And once I'm done, I'm done for the day. I'll answer the rest tomorrow. This is what I do for my email. I go through it. I skim it. I do inbox zero. If you don't know what that is, go to my productivity tips for chaotic creatives episode. I quickly skim. I delete things. I archive. I snooze. I mark things as read for later. And then the core emails, I'll try to answer in that 25 minutes. If you don't know what Focusmate is, I've talked about it a million times and have the CEO on, but you basically hop on a, a call with a partner. You both state out loud what you're going to work on. Then you mute out, you work on it for that dedicated time, and then you report progress at the end. So that's why I love it because you have to tell the person what you're working on and report back. So it creates this level of accountability. And when you're dedicating 25 minutes to the DMs, you'd be surprised what you can get done in 25 minutes. I'm always like, what can get done in 25 minutes? So much can get done in 25 minutes. So I would give that a shot. There's also an app I downloaded called Opal, O-P-A-L, and it blocks apps for whatever hours you want them to be blocked. And you can pick two tiers where it blocks the apps and then you can decide to take a break throughout the day or it just blocks them for the entire day and you cannot cancel. Like you can't open the apps until that time period is done. So for example, if you block them from nine to five, you literally cannot click on the app until 5 p.m. if you pick that option. So that's really helped me because when I go to like scroll on Instagram and I'm like, oh shit, there's 20 DMs. I can't do that when my Opal is on because Instagram is grayed out. Like I can't even click on it. So it forces me to go work on other things because I'm like, well, I know I can't even look at Instagram until 5 p.m. So now I can go focus on my other shit. The last thing I would say about this is set up auto replies. I know a lot of people have done this when they think they set it up as a business account and you can have people select prompts like, hey, could you tell me about your packages? How does your cancellation policy work? Can I book a call with you? Like you pick the questions just like if you were trying to make a reservation at a restaurant and they have these different options. The one thing I would absolutely avoid is looking at your DMs all times a day. That is a recipe for disaster. You're immediately shifting your focus to response mode. And we all, especially as human beings, we love to respond to people because it makes us feel like we're helping and we're caring and we don't want people to perceive us as an avoidant person or like doesn't give a shit about our clients or followers or customers. So we very much feel that urge to want to answer people quickly. So of course, if you're checking your DMs every hour, it, you're always going to feel that fight or flight response mode to answer because you're like, I don't want people to think I didn't see their DM and like run to another person. A lot of this is also rooted in scarcity and urgency because a lot of us do need those clients, right? Like this is how I operated my first year of business or any DM that came through. I'm like, holy shit, this could be a potential client. I have to reach out in the next hour. Or I'm going to lose her. When in reality, most people that want to work with you 
are more than willing to wait like three days to hear back from you. It's really rare that someone wants to work with you and they're like, oh, well, I guess this nutritionist didn't answer. So in the next 48 hours, I'm going to go find someone else, even though I've been stalking this one girl and I love her content, I've invested in her and I want to work with her one-on-one. She took 24 hours to respond. So time to go to another one. It's like, that's not how reality works. Most people that want to work with you will be patient and, and willing to work with you. So just ask yourself, where does that urgency come from? Um, again, I know for me, it was wanting to not miss out on clients. And I just had to finally accept what's meant for me will not pass me. And people that want to work with me will happily wait a few days or a few hours, whatever it is to hear back from me. If anything, I find answering too quickly or urgently, do you start setting an expectation with clients that you are available at all hours? And when you set that expectation off the bat, that is how they're going to start the relationship. They will start hitting you up expecting a very immediate response and then feel like they were duped if they're not getting those immediate responses because you were so urgently responding in the beginning of your relationship. If you start to cool off, they're going to be like, wait, why did I invest in this? So if anything, I would start to train yourself to take a few days to respond or a few hours so that if it is a client that wants to work with you, you're showing them off the bat. Here's how I operate. I don't operate off of urgency or scarcity. I take my time to respond thoughtfully. Next up, we have a listener question that wrote to me on Instagram. They said, how did your workflow and income change when I started offering one-on-one six-month coaching? Um, Massively. So I think in order to answer this question, it would be helpful for me to start with how I actually started my business. Before I even started mindset coaching, believe it or not, started teaching yoga online. I got my yoga certification in Bali. I thought I was going to be like the Melissa Wood Health of millennial yoga. I was like very all in on this yoga thing. If you guys remember this two years ago, my brand was called Yoga Girl Next Door. Like I paid for a website, a logo. I had a videographer. Like I was very into this. And so I started teaching yoga classes online for like $15 a class. And that to me was high. I was like, holy shit, that's what people charge for like a real studio in Florida. And here I am, this new yoga instructor online. And I remember being so excited when I would make $75. I'm like, holy shit, like I cannot believe I made $75 from a yoga class. However, I did that for weeks and weeks and weeks, making anywhere from like $50 to $150 a class. And I just started realizing very quickly that's not sustainable. That's good for like the cherry on top. But making like $300 a week is actually like poverty. So I was like, that this doesn't make sense. Like I have to think of something else. So then I remembered I took this course where yoga instructors were teaching people privately. And it's just like a gym, right? You could go pay the $10 Planet Fitness membership or you hire a private trainer that is a lot more money, but you're getting a lot more customization. So I switched to teaching privately and was making way more money per session and had a guaranteed income because I was selling packages. People would pay me for five or 10 classes up front and I would get all that money at once. And I would take on a few clients and it helped me find stability because I wasn't depending on these like one-off $15 classes. I had these very specific clients with uh, upfront pricing that they all paid in full by the way up front, And that helped me ease my nervous system because I was like, okay, you actually have money to survive. You're not living off of like $75 every class. So that was something I quickly adapted was like, we're not doing one-off low cost sessions as a full-time job. Like that just would not make sense. Also put this in any other context, someone doing like $50 tarot readings, let's say they wanted to make $2,000 a month. I'm literally pulling up my calculator right now. $2,000 divided by 50, 40, you would have to do 40 tarot readings 
to make that type of money. That's insane. That would be what, like 15 ish a week. That is absolutely not worth your time. So I realized in no world, whether it's personal training, card reading, yoga, in no world is doing one-off low-cost sessions sustainable. So thank God I learned that early because when I started my coaching business, I launched a course first, which went really well. Shout out to all the people that took that first course with me. It was like a little bit all over the place, but we live and we learn. Um, after that, I enrolled people into one-on-one three-month coaching. And this is my high ticket package. And I remember shitting my pants, pitching the price. It was $3,000 for three months. And I was like, in what world is someone going to pay me $3,000 when two months prior to that, I was charging $15 for a yoga class and my course was like 497. So I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I was like, who are you to charge $3,000? You're fucking insane. And two people immediately signed up, paid in full, had amazing programs, loved our sessions, left glowing testimonials. And I was like, whoa, okay. So it taught me pretty early on, if you have a good product and you really, really care about your clients and their success, people are happy to invest that money into you. I'm the type of person where I only need like two people to validate my pricing and then I'm good with it. For example, like that $3,000 package, two people bought it and immediately I was like, okay, we're good. I don't need to freak out about $3,000 or charging that anymore. I feel comfortable charging that. Now, three months is really not a lot of time and meeting weekly with people started to be a bit overwhelming. So I was like, let's adjust this to six month packages and spread out the calls a little bit so we have more time to like integrate and think between sessions. So then I changed my package to be six months. And by the way, this is still just mindset coaching. And I'm pretty sure I raised the price to be like $5,000 for six months. And again, remember I told you, I don't need that many people to validate my pricing. I need like one or two. So immediately I had a client renew and agree to the new package. And then I had a, another client sign up and pay me in full. So I was like, okay, we're good. I can charge this money. I don't feel uncomfortable. This is worth it. And by the way, I constantly ask for feedback. I would say that's a strength and a skill you should absolutely adapt and include in your business. Is like doing halfway check-in points, asking people for feedback, sending feedback in testimonial forms. So when people were done with their sessions, I could easily see their feedback and adjust. So I was constantly catering to them. So I never felt that much imposter syndrome for charging what I charge because I was like, I'm actually catering to what they need and delivering on what I say I'm going to deliver. Now, was that the case every single client? No. Of course, there were clients that were like, oh, I thought I was going to get more of this. Or like, I don't know, I thought you were going to check in more or whatever. And of course, when I hear that feedback, I try to adjust and reset expectations if needed. But my point is, is all that feedback and analysis and learning what works and what doesn't, I started to realize like six months is really the sweet spot. Three months flies by, 12 months feels way too committal. But six months was like, yeah, that's half the year. Like we can get a lot done in half a year. It feels worth charging thousands of dollars and I have more time to adjust and make feedback where three months felt a little condensed. So when you ask how did my workflow or income change, it helped me a lot realize I can take on less clients at higher price points so I can have more time and days off. So I don't have to be doing back to back to back calls, which I was doing in the beginning of my career. It also provided peace of mind and financial stability, knowing a lot of these people were on payment plans. So I was getting a baseline every month which helped calm my nervous system down because before it was like, woo, let's see what we're going to make this month. Hopefully I sell this many packages and like, we'll see what happens. 
when I had like three clients on a six month payment plan, I knew for sure, at least every month I would start at that one specific number. So how did my workflow change? I didn't have to launch that much. I didn't have to take on a million clients because one-on-one was higher ticket. And I also had more time to strategize and think because I wasn't in back-to-back-to-back calls all the time. Now, to be clear, there was a period where I took on like 13 private clients and that was insane. I don't know how I even did that thinking about that now because I was like, was I on crack cocaine? Like that was absolutely insane. And I realized like there are times where you need downtime. I am not the person that can be in back-to-back meetings. I don't want my schedule to be packed Monday through Friday. I need time to integrate and think and just like, again, live my life. I have a life outside of my job. Basically, I just took that model that I did in mindset coaching and adapted it to podcast coaching. And I started again, tweaking. My very first package was four months. I think it was like one or two calls a month. And then I took feedback from that and adjusted. Then I made it six months. And then I realized everything I was talking about my six month coaching was the same with everybody. So then I came up with mic drop the course because I realized I could help more people in a more accessible price point that couldn't afford coaching. And then there were people that of course will always want one-on-one and that more specific support. So I kept the six month one. So yeah, it's been a constant game of evolving and adapting and learning that I will say the best thing I ever did was starting out the gate pretty early on with offering one-on-one high ticket, because this is something one of my business coaches taught me, which made so much sense. A lot of people that offer low, low ticket stuff and are successful is because they have the financial stability to do so. So if you're starting out your career and you're offering all these like 30 to $90 offers, that's the same thing of like when I was doing the $15 yoga classes, you're not going to make a lot of money doing that unless you have a shit ton of people signing up for those offers with a huge, engaged, warm audience. Now, if that is you, congratulations, absolutely offer the low ticket stuff. And you can help people that way. For me, I knew I had like 10 warm-ish clients and obviously like $50 one-off consults. That was not going to, that was not going to keep me afloat. And by the way, I'm talking purely from like business expenses too, right? I have Zoom, I have editing software, I have storage I need to pay for. Like there's so many business expenses that I had to realize I cannot be offering these low tier things until I get my shit together financially or else I'm going to have to shut my business down, go bankrupt, or have a really poor customer and client experience because I can't pay for any of my softwares. So I would say, this is like a very long drawn out way of answering this. If you're just starting out or you're having trouble finding financial stability, switch to high ticket coaching, whether it's three months, six months, a year, VIP days, something, until you get financial stability. And then you can start offering the mid to low tier items. And the last thing I'll say about this is I actually push all my clients to be on payment plans. When I did mindset coaching, remember I said those two people actually paid in full, which was wild. I was like, what on planet earth is happening? What happened was because I got so freaking excited that they paid in full and I was so new to business, I like quickly spent that money. I actually upgraded all my softwares, which I'm really proud of myself for. But then I also started like going haywire. I was like, woo, I'm going to learn how to read birth charts and I'm going to do this like membership and I'm going to invest in this high ticket coach and I'm going to invest in this trainer. And that like, I just, I basically spent all the money. And what happened was they paid me for full for three months and I spent it in like four to six weeks. So energetically, it felt really weird to be coaching 
and and not have a payment from them anymore and knowing that I spent it so early on I was like this this just feels imbalanced this happened so many times by the way this happened like two or three times where people paid in full and then I would be coaching them for six months and I was like I don't know what it is it just feels off that there's not like that energetic exchange anymore because it happened so early on in the beginning that now every one of my clients is on a payment plan and I don't have a bonus or an incentive for paying in full. And by the way, not only is this to like mitigate my spending, it's so that I have monthly recurring revenue, which gives me peace of mind knowing that next month, if I don't launch anything, at least I'll start with a baseline of a certain amount of dollars, right? Because if I have, let's say five one-on-one -on -one clients and each of them are paying me a thousand dollars a month, I know if I never even launch anything next month, I'll start the month with $5,000. So that is also why I push people for payment plans and monthly recurring revenue so that I can go to sleep at night knowing that my spending habits aren't going to ruin me and that I have money coming in the next month. So this is also, if you've worked in corporate America, something that you probably are used to is getting paid bi-weekly or even in any other country, right? You get paid weekly, bi-weekly. The point is you get a steady paycheck. So in order to mimic that model, setting up payment plans with your clients is super helpful. Okay, and the last listener question, someone asked, what do you do when you have no idea what to do next? So I feel like this is like a deep, complex question. Um, I would say for me, the only time where I've truly like never known what do I do next was actually pretty early in my career after I had a lot of success. So this was after my first course launch resulted in 20 signups. This is after I signed like two or three high ticket clients that paid me in full. I was very much on a trajectory to like have an amazing year. However, this is why I always tell people to move in baby steps. I freaked out. I had so much imposter syndrome. I was like, why are people paying me $3,000? Why did I have 20 signups? Like I was not prepared for that level of responsibility or success. And so I sabotaged it and basically like shut down marketing anything. And I just worked with my one-on-one -on -one clients. I always tell people this. If you go back to my like 2020 content on Instagram, I didn't, launch or market anything for like three months because I was flipping the fuck out. So that's the period where I was like, I don't know what to do next. Like I'm not ready for this level of client responsibility. I don't feel like I have the leadership skills yet. I don't feel like I have the customer service in place. I don't even feel like I have the infrastructure to handle these amount of clients and this level of client. So I was like, I need to pause and I need to figure this out. And so what I learned was the whole reason I shut down was a nervous system issue, right? I was completely thrown off. So I had to look at, well, why did that happen? It's because I had so many people sign up for that first course that I wasn't expecting that it threw me off. And I realized maybe I shouldn't be doing group programs at that level. Maybe I should only take on a small group of clients and like cap out my group programs at eight to 10 people. 20 for me at that time, just starting out my first course was way too many personalities, way too much onboarding, customer service, handling client payments. I was doing everything manually too. That was way too much. So knowing that this was a nervous system issue, I was like, you know what you need to do next is just focus on smaller groups or taking on a very few amount of one-on-one -on -one clients and that's it. So for the next six months, that's all I did. I did not launch group courses or masterclasses or workshops. I was like, I'm only going to handle five clients at a time that are one-on-one -on -one that we meet at these specific times and they have a very clear structure in place. That helped me slowly start to like open back up again and be open to the idea of handling more people. And to be honest, even now I don't like big group programs. 
you guys that have signed up for Amplify, you know the cap right now is eight people. And if you want to join, there's a few spots left, but I'm very serious about that. I'm, I don't want circuses of programs where I don't know what people are up to and doing. And like, I don't know, I'm not at that level yet where I'm like, I want to help as many people as possible and have hundreds of people in my group programs because I'm like, I just know that I can't give you the level of attention and detail and support you deserve if there are hundreds of people in my program because I don't have that infrastructure yet. So that was something important to me was like reset your nervous system and only bite off what you can chew. So sometimes it just takes pausing and being like, you know what, let me find clarity here and realize what my gaps are. This is kind of the same thing with the website, right? I finally realized this has nothing to do with my value that I offer. This has nothing to do with my services. This has nothing to do with my coaching because I get great reviews on my coaching. And I realized, you know what? It's this freaking website. It's a block. So the only way I found that out was by like being still for a little bit and not over investing in myself, right? Not putting myself in multiple programs and memberships and courses because that was really distracting for me. And I was like, you're not going to invest in anything unless it's a done for you service or your virtual assistant or software. Like that was it. So I would encourage you right now, if you feel overwhelmed, you're either A, probably in too many programs or courses and you're getting spread way too thin. B, you're throwing too many things at a wall and trying to see what sticks, but you're doing it all at once. So you're like, let me try out a masterclass and one-on-one and a low-cost workshop and a podcast all within a month. It's like pick one, monotask. And then the other thing is just reset and be like, what can I handle right now? What can my nervous system handle? And let me just double down on that and see what happens. Okay, so that was everything I learned in 2022. There are definitely more things I learned, which of course I'll keep talking about on the podcast, but I also wanted to share what I'm focusing on in 2023. In the last week of December, shout out to Serene for helping me really reset my business operations and how I look at things. I realized I'm going to start working on bigger one-on-one projects that have a lot more support, a lot more strategy, and a lot more resources. So because of that, the price point is going up and I'm only taking on a handful of people at a time. Right now, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm on a wait list for one-on-one and I have learned time and time and time again by getting burned that I will not bite off more than I can chew. So yes, could I make more money by signing on like five more clients right now? Yeah, of course. And there's a strategy to handle that. You take deposits and then you just have people start at later dates but I'm not going to have everyone start in January because I'm at my max and knowing the level of customization and strategy I want to offer to people, I need to leave room in my schedule to actually serve these clients. So my projects one-on-one are getting much bigger, but because of that, that I will have less one-on-one Zoom calls, I'll have more time to develop accessible things like workshops and templates. So that is going to be a thing that I work on in 2023 is offering more like one-off workshops. I would love to have a template shop that just has like a content planner and an episode outline and a launch checklist. Like that's all coming. It just takes time to really organize those things and create the shop. But I want you to know that's coming. New podcast material. You all know I had this kind of struggle in the last six months where I was like, the podcast was never supposed to be about podcasting. And it kind of turned into that because of the career that I'm now in. But I want to get back to like what excites me and fascinates me. I want to talk to sex workers. I want to talk to people about beauty standards and pretty privilege. I want to talk to digital nomads that actually miss home and are craving starting a family. I want to talk about dating abroad and like the best and worst things about it. And I really want to get back to just 
things that light me up. So that's coming. I want to create a whole new segment. I want to have more output with the podcast where I'm producing maybe two episodes a week. And one of them is more of like a short form piece of content. I want to create a subscription channel so I can do more Q and A's and really get into your questions with more transparency and like more value. And I want to write a book. I started writing a book last year. I wrote half a novel. I did not finish it. I've been toying back and forth with the idea of writing like some type of travel book or memoir or stories or something. And I started writing, I don't know what it's going to turn into, but for now I'm just brain dumping all the stories, all the interesting things, all the hilarious, fascinating, scary, sad things that have happened to me. And I would love to just put it in a book and commemorate the experiences in my life. So that's what I'm focusing on for 2023. And the last thing that you heard me talk about, which I've sprinkled throughout this episode is amplify the mastermind. So this is for the 2.0 level of podcasting. If you have a podcast, but you've been struggling to keep up with it, so you feel burnt out, you don't like doing it anymore, you do things last minute, you were posting consistently and now you're not, you don't know how to monetize it, you don't know who is listening, you're like, what the hell am I doing? Amplify probably makes sense for you. So I will plug the link to that in my show notes. Right now it's a Notion document. And then next week when my website is live, you'll have a full page to visit, which I'm so excited about. And if you have any questions, just DM me on Instagram at Chelsea Rife. So again, Amplify is for people that have podcasts that want to take them to the next level. If you want to launch a podcast, we can work together one-on-one or you can take Mic Drop, which I'll put the, the waitlist link in the show notes as well. And I'd love to hear from you. I absolutely love answering listener questions, especially the voice notes. So check out the link in my show notes where you can leave voice notes as well. All right, y'all, you know where to find me at Chelsea Rife on Instagram, chelsearife.com, which will be updated and brand new and improved in just a week. And always email me if you have any feedback, questions, comments. I love, love, love to hear from you. You can email me info at chelsearife.com. And if you found value, I would absolutely appreciate a rating and review. You just go to Apple Podcasts, leave a written review. And at the end of the month, I will choose a winner to win a gift card to wherever they want. Airbnb, your local restaurant, your local nail salon, whatever you want, you will win a gift card of $25 to that specific location or service or person, okay? So all you have to do is leave a written review, send it to me, info at chelseareif.com or at chelseareif on Instagram, and I will enter you into the giveaway, which I'll pull at the end of January. All right, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next week.